0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's
1: going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop
2: them.
1: Have you gotten wrong yet?
0: Morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, uh, fantasy draft time, mock draft time, real draft time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services and in-house ads you'll hear just a little bit later on in this program. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. How are you? Hope you're well. Hope everything in your life is going the way that it needs to be going, not just me, on this uh, Wednesday morning podcast. A little bit different uh, from from the usual, but we have our reasons for that because uh, the NFL draft is about to start here uh, And just, um, what, I don't know, just, just a little bit of time here not not too much time away from that and to do that let's go over to that undisclosed location and get to Patrick Brown and let's go to that uh that that unnamed home studio and get to Ben McKee fellas what is going on this morning
2: not much I'm just rolling through about 20 something mock drafts for uh a piece of content that will be on the site here at some point on Wednesday
1: the the content King Patrick brown that, 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 that's 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 what you love to see pat patrick's over there thriving and succeeding and and i'm over here just getting beat up like ryan garcia by my allergies so uh, other than that and and hoping and and praying for a miracle that the grizzlies can win three straight against lebron james and the refs and and the steelers can draft darnell Wright in the first round on thursday night other than all that I, i'm i'm doing okay
0: that is a good point about the the allergies cuz i
2: talk, talk through your feelings man just talk through them
0: because, like, I didn't take my uh, allergy medicine yet this morning, and so I, that might affect the way my voice sounds on this program. I hope that it doesn't, but uh, it's not usually very good anyways. But, guys, point is, this is, of course, the the NFL draft preview here on Go Balls 24-7, and this is a really, really interesting NFL draft for the University of Tennessee and, and one that we thought a couple months ago might be pretty good and, and sort of as the draft – gets closer and closer to, to reality here, it's looking better and better for Tennessee potentially. You know, there there's I suppose a couple of, of guys who you maybe say, eh, maybe they've gone down the, the order just a little bit, but it seems like a lot more than that are rising at this time. And you know the 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 mock drafts are not the same as the real draft. We've all been surprised by things good and bad going going Uh, Either way, each year, right, that happens. But it it just seems like, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, it just seems like all – or not all, but but for a majority of these Tennessee players – they're on an upswing. They're going in the direction you want to be going this time. It, it, it's like from from two months ago, from a month ago, from two weeks ago. It just seems like the the potential scenarios for these guys, would, which meaning draft placement, draft signing bonuses, all these things seem to be going upward.
2: Yeah, Wes, I, I think that's pretty accurate. I don't think anybody is sliding. Uh, I think I think some people may point to Jalen Hyatt uh, as maybe somebody who's maybe not had the best pre-draft process. I, I don't know that I totally buy that because I think he's still going to go uh at the worst, probably early second round. But obviously Darnell Ride has has aced every checkpoint on, on um from the senior bowl, the combine. Uh he's he's just about a lock to be a first round pick uh, on Thursday night. Um uh, that coming off of his season he had. Hendon Hooker has managed to not throw a pass for an NFL team and it's <laughs> uh and it, it started to you know could found a way to raise his stock too with the way he's impressed in meetings and showing off his football iq and you know and, and maybe that's not a surprise because if you if you if you spend a lot of time around hendon he can have that effect right yeah. um i think cedric tillman is as he's gotten healthier over the past couple of months has reminded people what he can do and um you know byron young is <clears throat> excuse me is held pretty steady as well so uh, as you see, you know some of these mock projections and and things like that that go into the second and third rounds. It's it's pretty common to see Tennessee with those five guys in the top. It used to be like the top 100, now it's closer to like the top 60, top 75, things like that. So, um, it it could be a busy couple of nights for Tennessee on Thursday and Friday, which is a little bit different because it, it feels like the past few years it's always been, well, how many guys are they going to get on Saturday? Did they get anybody on Friday? Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a little bit of a difference. Uh, and shift and you know i think you got to give you got to give these these players credit for what they've done on the field and during this process and uh and you got to give tennessee's coaching staff uh credit too because a lot like the guys who went last year when they had five uh drafted uh you can point to a year ago some of these guys wouldn't have been in position that they're in now so you can speak to their development and in a way that this staff has shown them and helped them get better as players
1: it's going to be a really busy night on Thursday and Friday for Tennessee, in, in my opinion. It, it feels like Tennessee could have up to three first-round picks. Yeah, in, it's
2: it's on the table, I think, Ben.
1: Yeah, and I think Darnell Wright is a lock to go in the first round. I, I would be stunned uh, if, if he did not go in the first round, uh, just because there is a, a lack of, of tackle depth this this draft class. Or, I don't know, maybe I should say lack of, of tackle depth, but there's not those clear-cut obvious guys at the top like, like we typically see you, you see the northwestern guy but he apparently has short arms like a t-rex and uh some people, nobody... some people think
2: he's a, some people think he's a guard
1: right right so that that has seemed to affect his his draft status whereas a year ago people were talking about him as a top five top 10 pick so uh darnell right that out that obviously helps him you, you've seen broderick jones uh, from from Georgia, kind of be in the mix for a first-round pick. And, and there's another tackle as, as well that I'm blanking on his name. Paris on the top Johnson, of my head. Ohio State. Yes, thank you, Paris Johnson from Ohio State. Uh, Darnell Wright's just as good as those guys. A- and obviously I'm not studying offensive line tape night in and, and night out preparing for the draft, but I, I think it's hard to imagine somebody having better tape Or you take Darnell Wright's tape against those three other guys that we just mentioned, hard to envision those three having better tape than Darnell Wright, just knowing what Darnell Wright went through over the course of the season, battling and doing well against top-edge rusher after top-edge rusher after top-edge rusher. Uh, And and I was reading something this morning where it it didn't really click in my head. I, I was aware that this is true, but Darnell Wright started 43 college football games and it's 21 years old that that is a rare combination of college experience and youth entering the NFL and I think that's something on top of his potential uh, versatility along the offensive line that that is really going to bode well and I I think he's a lot to be drafted in the first round because of those things so the bigger storylines for me Wes is does Hendon Hooker slide into the first round I kind of think so, just because of how how important the quarterback position is, how desperate teams get for a quarterback uh, to, to to try and change the direction of their organization if things aren't well. I think somebody's going to get desperate and, and go after Hendon, and, and I don't mean that to d- disrespect Hendon in the sense of, of he's not worthy of a first-round pick, because I absolutely believe he's worthy of a first-round pick, but I think somebody that, that maybe we're not aware of is going to jump at Hendon because they do want that potential organization-changing quarterback. And Patrick spoke to Jalen Hyatt. He's the other one. Is is Jalen going to sneak in to the first round? Uh, but ultimately, Wes, it, it feels like every draft pick that Tennessee is going to have, Byron Young, Cedric Tillman, uh, the three that we just discussed, it, it seems like they, they've all had a really, really nice draft process. I, I know Patrick spoke to, to Jalen Hyatt maybe not having the the best of the best, but I haven't really heard anything that would suggest his stock uh, drastically falling for sure. Uh, So I I think everybody that is coming out of this, this Tennessee program this year and is about to get drafted. I mean, I I think we're talking about all those guys being drafted by the time the third round is done. Yeah.
0: The thing that there's two things there. First off is I, I I've heard the guys, other people talk about that Northwestern guy too, and his arms. And it's like, did they get did they shrink in the past year? Like this guy was gonna be a first round pick last year or maybe potentially or whatever. And then this year it's like his arms are short. It's like, wait a minute, hold on. Did I bet his arms are the same length they were last year?
2: But that, that's one of the staples of draft season is like they they find stuff to like ding you on. I mean, I, I think there was something on our board last week. Some scouts were talking about how Darnell Wright was lazy and selfish, and I'm like, uh, Glenn Ellerby, <laughs> who coached him for the past two years, would highly disagree and has said so. Yeah, the uh, on only, the the only record, thing
0: I think he doesn't—he have like small hands, isn't that the yeah,
2: only? Yeah, he thing? does, and uh, he that got brought up at the combine. He literally was like holding up his hand, and his like pinky's kind of bent, kind of like he's got like he's like got, got a, like an old man hand, and so he was like, I can't really stretch it like you're supposed to uh, uh, when they do those measurements. But like some of that stuff was like, I mean. Uh, you know, Darnell played right tackle his first two years. That's his best position. And when they needed to move him to left tackle in, in 21 so they could play Cade Mays at right tackle, get their best lineup on the field, he didn't bat an eye. I mean, so I don't know about selfish and, and all that. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that that a, a, a switch flipped for Darnell. Um, and to Ben's point about comparing him to, to Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson, those guys are left tackles. Darnell's a right tackle. He's, he's the best right tackle in this draft. And uh, there, there's going to be a team in the first round that's like, okay, we need a right tackle, or maybe we have a right tackle that we can move, whatever, uh, and they're going to see him as a plug-and-play guy. But, uh, yeah, sorry to cut you off, Wes. You were, you were talking about Peter Skaronski and his short arms, and uh, the we kind of just highlighted that this part of the draft is especially yeah. late. Some people start talking. Maybe some people are just trying to disparage players to make other teams not want them. There's a lot of, like, uh, smoke screening going on probably in this in this process too. So it's it's – uh, it's why it's it, it's why it's entertaining to me. I've always been a uh, love the draft, and and certainly, you know, finally getting some players that that we've watched over a course of years be prominent involved, you know, prominently involved, and in it's it's pretty fun.
0: Yeah, I never apologize, never ever apologize for cutting me off because if anybody wants to cut anybody off on this podcast, I usually think it's because. They think they have a really good point that's really pertinent to right now, something that we're discussing. So uh, if anybody cuts off, I'm like, no, 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 go ahead. I'm sure you have a point that's better than anything I'm getting ready to blab on about. But but my point what was, the or the question I was asking was, when you look at these Tennessee guys, if it were like one or two guys who were kind of you know drifting in the right direction and a couple others who were kind of falling off in the other direction that would be maybe what I would call like a normal year but with these Tennessee guys this year when a when so many guys are very clearly all going up heading into the draft i mean that could be a coincidence right i mean it could be these guys go across the country to different places to work out and and maybe uh, just for whatever reason, they they've, they've, they've gotten in even better shape or they've tested really well or or had really good interviews or whatever it is. But when so many guys are going in the right direction, going up, going into the draft, trending upward, I have to think that there's like some sort of a common denominator there. It just seems to me like, I mean, did, did Tennessee for years, you know, develop this reputation as a place where all of a sudden you weren't going to have, like, three or four first-round picks potentially off of a same team? Or, you know, maybe the, the thought was they hadn't quite built back up to that point yet or the fact that this was a system offense in some ways and then they saw these players individually and went, wait a minute, these guys are a hell of a lot better than than we thought. To me, it just seems like, and maybe this isn't a question that we'll know the answer to, but when so many of these guys are going up at the same time, I have to wonder, well, if they all played at the same place, some, there's got, almost got to be something there.
2: Yeah, I, I almost want to point to each of these guys individually in their own stories because everybody takes different paths to get sure. to this point. Um, and, and certainly I'd say that you know, from a character standpoint, you know, we see it a lot in college players. A lot of times, they some of them have to grow up. and I think that maybe applies to a couple of, of these Tennessee players. But uh, you look at Hendon Hooker's path. You know, it's been well documented. You know, it was kind of up and down at Virginia Tech. Left there, got a new start. Um, you know, everything that that you know didn't win the starting job in 21. Got his chance. Took advantage of it. Um, you look at Cedric Tillman was you know basically starting to look where he was going to walk on, and then Tennessee takes a flyer on him because they needed needed guys and. Uh, you know, he sticks it out through three frustrating seasons when he caught eight passes and, and blows up under this staff. You know, Darnell Wright was, you know, he, he was kind of underwhelming compared to his five-star status, you know, for the first two years of his career. um, And and then the the, the light kind of comes on and, and sort of the same for Jalen right or Jalen Hyatt that, you know, he has two sort of underwhelming, underachieving years. But then, you know, the mindset flips and, and he he kind of grows up a little bit and, uh, and starts attacking and, and working and, um, and, and he was the best receiver in college football last season. So, uh, so and I haven't even touched on Byron Young. He's probably got the best story of all of it, uh, of all of them from working at gas stations and dollar generals to, to, you know, walking on at a junior college program and then getting recruited off, you know, practice tape, uh, during the pandemic. So, uh, a lot of these guys have, have great individual stories and, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, to, to your point, Wes, I think it what makes it special is you have all these guys coming together and helping produce helping Tennessee produce not only last season which was you know 11 wins, best season in 20 years, but just the turnaround because two years ago this program was close to rock bottom if not there. So um, you need characters like that. you need people like that that have a, a chip on their shoulder and just work and, and are able to push through tough times and adversity and and play through, coaching changes and things not going their way and overcoming it. And uh, I think that's, that's a common theme with a lot of these guys. You just look at their, their stories individually. And, and maybe that's why it, it, it's been, you know, during this draft process, they've continued to impress and, and show well in front of teams because they played well last season. Um, they tested well. That's a, that's a, a, a you know, a, a sort of a shout out to Tennessee strength staff and mm-hmm. Kirk Schmidt. A lot of, a lot of those guys don't get any pub. They're not really out there. They're, they're very much behind the scenes guys, but you know they had hand in Byron young testing so well and, and some of these guys testing as well as they did. So um, that that's it it's it's all of these things coming together and, and it's led to to what we've seen over really the past two years with with these guys how they played on the, on the field for Tennessee, what they did for this program and and now what they're doing for themselves individually and, and making themselves money during this process.
1: And I really hope that they just land. In a good situation, uh, we, we all covered each the and Steelers. Every
2: one can't all draft all of them, Ben.
1: I know, which is unfortunate for each and every one of these players. Uh, <laughs> and, and and the fact that they could potentially be drafted by the Titans and have to play with Will Levis. I mean, that, that is just really, really unfortunate for a <laughs> guy like into Jalen. Existence. J- Jalen Hyatt. I I like the Titans, they're, they're the end state team. Uh, I, I was living up in the Northeast uh, when I became a Steelers fan as a kid. Uh, part of that was. The Steelers were on TV every weekend living up in, in the yeah. state of New York, uh, along with the, the Jets and, and the Giants. But uh, they had a quarterback whose name was Ben. And as a little kid, I thought that was cool. And uh, the, the, their running back was nicknamed the Bus. And I thought that was cool as well. So that's that's kind of how I became a Steelers fan. And at that time, obviously, the Titans weren't super – I know they had been to the to the Super Bowl, but they weren't super solidified as an organization. Uh, so I, I still do root for them. They're, they're the in-state team. But I, I cannot lie. My, my buddy Ryan Schumpert, who is a diehard Titans fan, will be in the Lindsey Nelson Stadium press box on Thursday night as the first round of the draft is going on. And I just want nothing more than to to see him have a meltdown. I, I want nothing more than to see Ryan Callahan have a meltdown when the Titans draft Will Levis. I mean, we, we'll have to lock the windows in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Tra- trade press up for box Levis. And make sure Levis. that... Ryan doesn't jump out of the window. I mean, that is a, a serious situation that we will have to deal with if 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 this takes place. But no, I'm joking. We, we, we covered each and every one of these guys the, the last three, four years, every single day that they were here. And there's not a single one like Patrick was just talking about that isn't a cool story. Byron Young going from general manager, not general manager, but manager at a dollar general to being a, a top three round draft pick probably. Cedric Tillman from essentially one scholarship offer in Tennessee or walking on at USC. I don't I don't believe he was ranked. If he was ranked, it was very, 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 very low towards the bottom. Uh, going from that to, to one of the best receivers in the NFL draft, uh, and then Jalen Hyatt having his turnaround this past offseason, like Patrick talked about, Darnell Wright as well. Hendon Hooker's story, that speaks for itself. Like I, I want to see those guys end up in a good position in a good organization because they deserve it, and honestly, because it it'll it'll dictate their success to a certain extent. Like you you really see it in the NBA, but even in the NFL. Like I, I truly believe that situations that you are drafted into really really weighs into whether you become a su- successful professional football player, basketball player, whatever. Ah, uh, because there there is a there is a difference in being drafted by the Chiefs or some some crappy organization that can't get it out of its own way, like the Washington Commanders, and they seem to have a pretty good roster at the moment. So maybe not the the best example, but you know the the Texans uh, and the Jaguars have turned a, a corner of late. But the, Brown, the Browns, like, yeah, there are several. Yeah, like the these organizations that just continue to stub their own toe. I think the basketball examples are better. Like there's a difference in being drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks right now or the Miami Heat and going and playing for Eric Spolstra compared to being drafted by the Detroit Pistons who just continue to ruin everything that they touch. The the, the team that you get drafted by just it, it truly determines whether you are successful in the pros or not more often than not. So uh I, I just knowing these these guys as well as we can from being a media member and covering them and, and them being all great guys, you just want to see them end up in the best situation possible, not only because they're likable, but also because it's it is going to determine whether they have success in the league or not.
0: It will. And and there's lots of other things that that go into it. And that that certainly is one of the biggest, right? I mean, there there's some organizations. If you're a good enough player, if you're like a special type of player, then you'll you'll probably eventually come good anyway. But but for most guys in the league, even good players in the league, it it, it comes down to sort of where you go, where you fit. Um, do do you go to an organization that has stability, so you don't have a new coach a new GM every two years? Like there are all sorts of things. That that factor into this, and, and I think it, that is a really good point, Ben, because that is a huge part of it. There's also lots of other things that that go into it, and you know, I I think we know or we don't we don't know, but we have a pretty good idea about when you know more or less your your and Hookers and Wrights, and you know, high, you know, I, I would say even Hyatt Tillman Young, we we sort of know. More or less in the in the window of where those guys might go with. There's a lot of other guys too. I mean, there's a lot of Tennessee players who worked out at pro day. There's a, I think some interesting names in there. Some guys who could end up being pretty pretty decent pros. Guys who could have a chance uh, to to stick around in that league. So so let's reset here for a minute. Let let's go away for just a second. Let's pay some bills, listen to products, services, in house ads, etc. Then come back and discuss more of those things here on the. Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from his un, uh, undisclosed location. And uh, Ben McKee coming to you from his unnamed home studio here on a Tuesday slash slash that Wednesday morning talking Tennessee football. It's a 2 Wednesday. day. It's a two-Wednesday, that's what we'll call it, here on the Go Valls 24-7 podcast. Talking Tennessee football, heading into the NFL draft, lots and lots of Vols. Uh, about to have slightly larger bank accounts, I think we could say. Lots of fun to talk about there. Lots of good stuff from the first segment. Lots more good stuff here in the second segment. But before we do that, just a quick reminder, quick request from our end to go in there and please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast if you're just listening for free there go balls 247com There's nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there and uh, subscribe and rate, review it right there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can get podcasts, wherever you can cast the fine pod, you can find this Go Boss 24-7 podcast. We do it for free and we're happy to do it. No complaints, but since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to rate, review, and subscribe and tell your friends and tell everybody else that you see doing whatever it is that you're doing out there in the world. If you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Guys back to business here. There, there's a lot of, as I said, late in the first segment there, I, there's a lot of guys, a handful of guys, I guess we should say, whether that's a lot and that's a, depends on your perspective, but, but, but a fair amount of guys who I think we know where they might go thereabouts, there's also some some other interesting kind of guys in this class, guys who were pretty good players at Tennessee. And a couple of them, I think, who couldn't end up being pretty decent pros. You know, I guess I'll start with you, Pat. You know, later later in the draft, or what are you picking up from some of the other guys who from from Tennessee or guys who, you know, I mean, NFL teams care just as much about those like fourth through seventh round picks as, as they do other ones. What are you hearing about some other Tennessee guys that are that are potentially going to be future NFL players?
2: Yeah, I mean the, uh, the t- Tom Brady was what pick one ninety nine. Yep, sixth round. So uh, the the real ones are are there all day on Saturday for the the final three round or <laughs> final however many rounds of the draft. That that that's where you that, that that's where you you earn your your fan card or whatever you want to call it. Um, I I, I want to say that I think Jerome Carvin maybe have the maybe has the best chance of being that sixth guy. Um, I texted this to our work thread earlier this week, but uh, my my bold prediction for Tennessee's NFL draft is that Prince Defant will get drafted.
0: I don't, um, I don't hate that. I don't hate that prediction.
2: And um, and and the reason is, uh, we, I mean, we were at pro day West, and, and we were like, where's Prince Defant? He's not doing anything. Um, and apparently he was, I was dealing with an injury, so but we saw him out there, but I don't think he did any testing, but. Um, there, there was a tweet last week from uh, Eric Galco, who uh, is, is involved with the Shrine Bowl where where Fant played along with uh, Jerome Carvin and Jeremy Banks uh, back in January and he apparently the uh, the Chargers put Fant through like a kind of a pro day workout uh, and, and his testing numbers were pretty good. He ran a 4'6", 6'40", uh, vertical jump 35 and a half inches and broad jump 10'3". Uh, at six one 243". Now Fant's... Uh, I think his his story is funny now that he's heading to the NFL because he's not going to be an NFL tight end. He doesn't have the size, the length. He's six one, two forty. Um, so so he's he's probably going to be a West. Don't get too excited when I say this. He's oh, probably going to be a fullback. Oh boy, slash H back in the NFL. Whew. Um, and so and, and and so there. I think there's going to be a team. Maybe it's the Chargers who you know gave him this workout or whatever, or or put the workout on. There's going to be a team like late that's like, let's get this guy we can kind of use as a swiss army knife in our offense maybe he can be a fullback maybe he could be a a play action guy maybe he can be that random tight end that catches touchdowns and vultures touchdowns from your fantasy team uh and you're like priston fan who's that well we all know who he is but other people um and and there just might be that team that's in the seventh round like let's just get this guy low cost low risk he'll play special teams um and you know, and, and be one of the first guys off the bus because he looks I mean he's pretty swole. So um that, that's my bold prediction. And and there is there was um I think it was Chad Reader uh at, at NFL.com. He did his seven round mock draft and had fan in it. So uh like two thirty-one. So there's been a couple of those guys. I think Jeremy Banks, if he didn't have all the off the field stuff, I think he would get drafted because I think he is an NFL linebacker. Uh it would be maybe a two-down guy who played on special teams, but mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of the off the field stuff uh, that we thought might have been sort of behind him from 2019. Then he goes in, you know, the South Carolina game, the, you know, he, he had to be more honest with NFL teams about what happened there than he was with the media at, at the combine in Indy. So I I think he would get drafted if he didn't have that. So there's that chance, but um, those are probably the three guys. There was one, uh, uh Matt Miller, at ESPN had Trayvon flowers in the seventh round of his mock. So, mm. um, that's for you, Ben.
0: That, that, there, that.
1: There's just as good of a chance as me getting drafted in this weekend as as Trayvon Flowers. And,
2: and Flowers didn't do anything at pro Day either, so I, I don't. I, I think he was. I mean, he was pretty beat up at the end of the year. I didn't know he was apparently that beat up.
0: Yeah, he he. I didn't know he was that beat up either. To be honest, I, I didn't. I, I knew I, that I knew he was. He had, I knew up.
2: he had broken. He broke his hand against Kentucky and then like played the next four weeks. And um, you know, they, at one point they had two safeties with with bum hands. Uh, for very different reasons, but yeah, uh, yeah, very, very,
0: <laughs> very different reasons.
2: But Flowers was so banged up he couldn't play in the Vanderbilt game, and then he he couldn't play in the Orange Bowl either. Or, or maybe he needed to to get you know healthy for this. But you know, even if some of these guys and a guy that mentions not Latrell Bumpus, who almost certainly somebody will Ronnie Garner will talk him and and will talk he'll, somebody. He'll get in the camp. camp, yeah, for sure, because Ronnie Garner freaking loves that guy, um, and, and so but. Those are probably the guys, uh, you know, for the main five guys, Darnell Rodgers in the first round. I agree with Ben. I think Hooker's going to get in the back end of the first round. Uh, there, there's He's that fifth quarterback that some teams have as maybe the third quarterback because they're not sold on Levis and Anthony Richardson. Um, and, and, you know, there's a pretty big gap to that sixth quarterback. So if you're a quarterback in the team, but you don't want to give up too much, I, I think he, he'll go in the first round. With, with Hyatt and Tillman, it depends on when the run on receivers start. It's not a great, it's not a top heavy receiver class. There's not like a bunch of wide receiver one guys, but there are some guys that can step in and be starters and help your team immediately. You know, so does Smith and Jig, but Ohio State, Jordan Addison, do those guys come off in the teens. Do they come off in the 20s? Uh, either way, I think Hyatt's got enough. Uh, he's got his, his elite attributes are going to keep him from, I think, falling too far. Um, and I think Tillman will go in this. I think Tillman's second, third, and I think Byron going third, but. Yeah, I still Uh, those are are my those are my predictions.
0: Yeah, I still think that I don't know if you'd call it like a bold prediction. I don't know if it qualifies as a bold prediction. I still think there's a chance, at least a small chance, that Cedric Tillman is the best NFL player from Tennessee from this class. I I I think that I I, when you look at that league and what and I know that the it's not like. It's a little bit more money ball now in that, there, you know, it's not always are you selling jeans. You know, you're you're, you're actually wanting players that do different things. But when you think of, like, what the average NFL receiver kind of looks like and some of the plays they can make, that's the stuff Cedric Tillman does, like, all the time when he's healthy. And and I don't know how some people just kind of seem to forget that he was not healthy pretty much at all last season and he played when he could, he did what he could, uh, and he still was okay then, but that year before when he actually was healthy and you got to see what kind of player he was, like nobody could guard him. Like nobody in the SEC could guard him. And if you are consistently making plays as a receiver at the SEC level, that has a pretty good track record of translating pretty well to the NFL. You know, when you look at some of those SEC receivers over the past decade or so, some of the ones that have been really, really good, most of them have been pretty good pros. And and I I just think Tillman is built in a lot of ways for that league, the way that he can make those catches on the sideline, the ball scales, the way he can catch the ball in traffic, the 50 50s I just I think there's a chance that he ends up being and I and I think Darnell Wright's a great pro. I think Hendon Hooker could be a surprisingly good pro. I, I I I like a lot of these guys. Jalen Hyde, I think he's going to be, especially in the right system, a really good pro. Uh, I just think there's a chance Tillman's the best one.
1: Yeah, I mean, each and every one of those five main guys: Hyatt, By, Tillman, Hooker, Wright. It, it would not surprise me if any of those five <laughs> ends up being the best out of out of that group. I, I know that sounds simplistic and, and easy to say. I just am really confident and honestly, each of those five guys having a successful NFL career. I would be surprised if those five don't have successful NFL careers. And and successful NFL careers doesn't mean 10 Pro Bowls and, and having a jersey retired and in an NFL city. But like Cam Sutton is in the midst of having a good NFL career right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Uh Jalen Reeves Mabin. In the midst of having a good NFL career Mosley. right now, yeah, Emmanuel Mosley, Justin Coleman, Jacob Johnson. I mean, we, we could go on and on and on. And, and I think all five of those guys, assuming that they're healthy enough to do so and and mentally they're, they're in it, I I think they're all going to play eight to ten years in the NFL because they're all talented enough to to do so. Uh, and obviously, it it, it does have a, a lot to do with, um. Where they get drafted, as I discussed earlier, um, but I, I do think they're also good enough to, to maybe overcome some circumstances if if they don't end up in a good organization uh, as well. Kind of like Wes mentioned earlier after I said what I said, um, but I, I'm very interested to see where they pan out. I, I agree with everything that Patrick said, other than I would disagree with with Jeremy Banks. I, I don't. I, I know what you were saying, Patrick, and, and I I do agree with what you said, but the the fact that he's he does have the off field concerns makes him not a real deal potential NFL linebacker to me uh, it, it's unfortunate that I, that, I just that, meant
2: from a physical standpoint like yes. I've always thought he looked and played like a guy who would be an NFL linebacker
1: yes absolutely the athleticism
2: hits, is off the charts
1: hits, hits, he, he hits he can, like
0: one for damn sure
1: he he can run like that that is there for sure but at, at this level like how you carry yourself as a professional day in day out from monday to sunday that that is just as important as the on the field stuff and the natural ability and because he doesn't carry himself like a professional quite frankly i i would be very surprised if if it works out for him i hope that it does for his sake and and he's able to take care of his family but i i just would i would be surprised honestly if, if he has a successful NFL career the the one that I'm really banking on outside of the the, the top five that that we're all highlighting is Jerome Carvin I, I think he's going to play in the NFL for for several years as well kind of reminds me of a Ramon Foster honestly undrafted goes on to, to have a lengthy career in, in Pittsburgh I think Jerome Carvin is is just as capable um because he is versatile he does have a nice skill set. He is somebody that you want in your offensive line room. Uh, he, he's a hard worker. Like he, he's going to do all the stuff that you want your players to do. And I, I think he's going to. I don't know if he'll have a long tenure in one city like Ramon did, but I could see a situation. Uh, who was the guard that just did this for Tennessee? Just kind of bouncing around every two to three years. He was on James Daniels, the the, the offensive lineman on the the Dooley. Line with with Tiny Richardson or, or Zach Fulton. I'm thinking no, of Zach, Zach Fulton, Fulton. Yeah, I'm thinking of Zach Fulton. Uh, just kind of a nice, solid four six year run in the NFL. Like I, I could see that if if not more for Jerome Carvin. And, and I also I, I do love what what Patrick said uh, about Princeton Fant. Uh, I've watched it with my own friend in Corey Blazin game. He he starts at Vanderbilt as a, a safety, kind of moves to to running back and, and had some nice plays backing up Ralph Webb. At, at running back at Vandy, but doesn't have the elite speed or, or the speed that you need to be a running back in the NFL. Uh, but because he is versatile and played so many different positions in college, he played safety, he played linebacker, he played running back, he played fullback, he's been able to carve out a niche with the Titans and now the Bears as an H-back, as somebody that can catch passes out of the backfield, that can lead block, that can carry the ball in an emergency situation if you need him to. That's Princeton Fant. And teams want those kind of guys, those Swiss Army knives that you can have on your roster that can do a little bit of everything. So, uh, I, I know I, I did kind of uh, rain on Jeremy Banks's parade, but outside of Jeremy Banks, like it's hard not to envision each and every one of these Vols having successful careers. And I don't think that's because we've been around these guys and and covering them every single day. I, I think I think it's legitimate. And I, I think they're legitimately good football players that organizations are going to want on their football team. Pat, what
0: are the not, what are, what have the knocks on Carbon been? Because I I, I when well, I when you look at him physically for the positions that they're going to need him to play, I, I I is it just a lack of maybe explosive athleticism or what is it? Because it looks like the the experience in the SEC playing at a pretty high level, he graded out well, looks good in a uniform. Like what what's the problem?
2: Yeah, I think it's just he's not like an elite twitchy twi- twitching yeah yeah um I, I think that's probably the the main thing um and, and you know there's a lot of technical things when you get in, into talking about the offensive line but sure. uh, i do think his ability to play center and both guard spots is is his best attribute plus he's got a lot of experience so you know they've seen him battle the the georgias and alabamas and lsu's of the world and um he was playing some of his best football later in his career so um you know i don't think he he, i don't he's not he's not a super powerful player and and you know uh he's not you know physically maybe what what you may want in an offensive lineman but you know he's going to be smart you know he's going to be a great locker room guy um and so i i think he's got a chance to maybe be that theo jackson that didn't go to the combine and and still gets drafted anyway uh and and i i will be very on brand here and and mention a guy that we haven't mentioned can you guys guess who it's going to be Hmm. what's on Paxton brand Brooks Paxton Brooks there His you go punters are people too fellas uh, he's not gonna get drafted but I think he'll get a shot to make a team and uh, the, the world of a specialist in the NFL is so different because there's only 32 of those jobs and uh, a lot of times if if you know there there's these teams get a couple guys in, in camp and they have a competition and a lot of times it comes down to money so he, he's got the advantage of uh, potentially being a, a cheaper option for a team that's looking for a punter Maybe a guy who can kick because, uh, you know, I think NFL teams are only going to have one kicker, one punter uh, active on game days. So um, I think he's got a chance just to, you know, we mentioned some guys like Flowers and Fant and Carvin and Banks and, and Bumpus, but I think he's got a chance to get into camp and, and have a shot to, to play at the next level too. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Carvin's, I don't, I don't think he tested very well at, at Tennessee's Pro Day. But, um, uh, again, I think you, you, you know what you're going to get with him, and that's a guy who can cover – three spots for you, which is, which is invaluable when you can only have so many offensive linemen active on game day and uh, a guy that's going to do everything right and, and be a good locker room guy and, and has the intelligence to, to play across the offensive line and learn multiple spots and be able to, to step in there seamlessly if you need him to.
0: Yeah, I think Paxton Brooks also, wasn't he dealing with some stuff physically last season? It just seemed like he, for whatever reason, <laughs> was not quite himself for a chunk of the season, and I, I can't help but think it would have to be like a, a, a health thing, part of it.
2: So, so well, he, he dealt with an injury, I think it was 21, when he didn't kick off most of the season, but he still punted. Uh, I think he explained that, if I'm remembering correctly, is you kind of use different leg muscles for those acts, yeah. um, and that's something I've probably learned uh, over the past couple of years is that these guys are playing through so many injuries that like never get talked about. You know, you know, during spring ball, you know, we hear Brew McCoy talked the whole, you know, talked about playing through the whole season with an arm injury here against Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, Carvin at pro day said he had a high ankle sprain in camp and just played through it. Um, I, I think it was a foot injury that Fant was dealing with. So these guys, you know, there's so many injuries. Obviously, you know, Tillman had an ankle deal that uh, was so bad. He said it was still swelled up pretty big And in, in, in January. is why he couldn't play in the senior bowl. He had to turn turn down the invitation to, to play in that game because he still wasn't 100%. So these guys are all playing through uh, so many things that a lot of fans don't know about. And, and you maybe wonder why a guy's not playing their best. Well, he's probably because he's got something he's going to need surgery on, you know, the first week of January. So Yeah. Um, no, I, I think Brooks was, I don't know that he dealt with an injury last season, but definitely two years ago, I think he was, uh, he wasn't able to kick off, uh, which is something that, that he he's done really throughout his whole career at Tennessee.
0: Yeah, it just seemed like there was something, for whatever reason last year, maybe it's because there were times where he didn't punt for a while. I don't, I, I don't know yeah, what it was. Yeah, No,
2: I, I, he just couldn't get in a rhythm because he was punting so sporadically that it could know, be it's the perils it's the perils of playing with the you know being the punter for the number 1 offense of college football.
0: That's true. Does uh, is Josh Heupel the man who could single-handedly be responsible for for wrecking the punter you uh, tradition by making Tennessee actively better at football? Is that something that that could be out there? Uh is there anything I know we we've done We've done some – I guess we've had some, some, bold, some, some boldish ben predictions. Ben has something he wants to say. That's why I was going next because I think Pat and I both had boldish predictions. I wonder if uh, if Ben's got one or something else.
1: Well, I have a different angle that we need to attack, uh, but we can attack that angle after you give out a bold prediction if that's where you were going.
0: No, no. I, my, mine was that I think Cedric Tillman's going to end up being the best um, pro of this group.
1: Is that really bold?
0: Yeah. Yes, you, because
2: Dar- because Darnell Wright's in this draft yeah. class. That's why. Which yeah. <laughs> should we get? West, should we get into your history with Darnell Wright?
0: Uh, no, I think that's fair. Uh, I think it has been embellished a little bit. I said early in his career when he was in <laughs> what are you What
2: are you accusing me of?
0: When he was a maddeningly inconsistent <laughs> player, on. and I said uh, he is a maddening, maddeningly inconsistent player. Why will he never be? Will he never be a consistent player? And I had started just when I started to say, you know what. Guys, he's just not that guy. Uh, he was like, you know what? I am that guy, and uh, he went into the phone booth, came back out as Superman, and now he's one of the best offensive linemen in the game, apparently. So, uh, you know, it was. I think it was probably after three or four games last season when we started watching film, and I was like, I think he might have proven me wrong already. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he's done that. So, yeah, I. Uh, uh, it, and I'll say this too: uh, it, it's never the guys who don't have talent that frustrate you. It's the guys who could be good and could be special that frustrate you when they're not because you know that they could be. And then they become it, and you're like, oh, see, that's what, that's what we wanted to but see.
2: In your defense, he, he, I mean, I think he had to kind of mature a little bit as a player. And, and let's be honest, he went from playing for Wolf Friend to playing for Glenn Ellerby.
1: I think that's a big difference. Ben, it, it your point. Him. It helped. Well, my my bold prediction, I guess, was Hendon goes in the first round. Although I don't, I don't know that I feel like that's is that super bold. Ben? Bold. Uh, I, that's what I was saying. I, I don't know that that's super bold. Um, I I think it, that would have been bold uh, a month ago, two months ago. Yeah. I also found it interesting that Chris Collinsworth uh, was speaking somewhere last night or this morning that the Chiefs should draft. Hendon Hooker and let him be the backup to Patrick Mahomes. I, I, hmm. I found that interesting. I, I think that's uh, I think that's a compliment to Hendon, but also if I'm Hendon, man, that
0: that was I suck. don't
1: want to be drafted <laughs> by the Chiefs. <laughs> that <would> sucks. <laughs> uh, like, like the only time you play is if Mahomes gets gets hurt. But uh, and, I was and, also gonna and, make, and
0: then no matter how good you are, you're not Mahomes.
1: And then I was also going to make the point earlier uh, about Princeton Fant. It would be better to go undrafted and get to pick where you land rather than to to get drafted late in the seventh round. So I I w- obviously it's nice to hear your name called and all this and all that, but Princeton fan is a guy that in the seventh round he's gonna his agent is gonna be receiving calls from just about everybody in the NFL wanting him to sign whatever deal, mm-hmm. training camp deal, whatever it, they call it. They're uh, every team in the NFL is going to want Princeton fan in their camp. So I, I think it would honestly be better for Princeton fan to, to not get drafted and be able to go pick where he lands because then you can, you can pick the organization that is best for you. You can fit, pick the situation that is best for you. So I, I'll be curious to see if, if that plays out in, in Princeton's favor. And I, I think the same applies to Jerome Carvin. Again, obviously you want to hear your name drafted. That's really cool. That'd be great for Tennessee, but I also think it's better if you get to pick where you land instead of you, you, you get stuck being drafted by the Houston Texans yeah, that, or the Carolina Panthers. That, that would not be fun.
0: Yeah, that, That's something that, that I know different guys have had different takes on over the years in terms of players because some players you'll be like, you know, guys, it really is better for you to not get drafted so you can kind of pick where you and your agent can find the right spot for you where you got a chance to make a team. And some guys are like, "Yeah, but like it's the draft, and I want to hear my name called." Like,
2: <laughs> you know, they all they all want to get that phone call that's like, "Hey, we're picking you." I know and yeah. their name flash up, and but it's funny get the highlight package and all that.
0: Yeah, and even though you're like, you can tell them guys objectively it is exponentially greater for you to not be drafted. So you can go pick where you go into a camp. You can look at the depth chart. You know, if you're uh, you know, someone like a Paxton Brooks, you can be like, okay, where are they paying a punter way too much money to where if he drops to anything less than like 57 yards a punt, they're going to want to get rid of him. I'm gonna go sign there. I mean, you can make decisions like that. That your agent can be like, "Yeah, this is where you need to go," um, and you know. But sometimes at the end of the day, you just you just kind of gotta want to hear your your name called. But my the the thing that I mentioned a little bit in the first segment, and I guess I'll I'll end at least on my end with 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 this thought is that I can't help but wonder. To me, it just still seems weird that so many Tennessee guys are trending up at the right at the exact time that they are here, right, going into the draft. Because it's like, in some cases, like with Wright and with Hooker, in my mind, later in the season, when I first saw some of the mock draft stuff happening, I was like, are people not watching these guys play football? Like, are, are they not watching what they're doing on a weekly basis? Like, I, I, I do not understand. And I think I'm probably not alone in this. Like, the Will Levis stuff, I don't think people – I think people get this wrong. I, I don't know that – like, no, I don't think anybody wants Will Levis to fail. You know, I mean, he's always – you know, he's a quirky guy, but everybody up there in Lexington says he's a good guy. He's, he's been a good teammate. You know, he's obviously got talent. But, like, he doesn't make good decisions with the ball. Like, why – how did he all of a sudden go from, like – how did he never fall as a prospect? i don't I'll never understand it. Now, I hope he goes out there and has a great NFL career. I just don't, you know, in the everything you do in the NFL is harder than what you do in college in terms of the decisions you have to make, the ball placement, the 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 tight windows you're throwing into. And like if you make bad decisions as a quarterback, I don't know if that's something that gets better at the NFL level. Like what? What am I missing
1: there? I mean, I well, I, NFL teams are thinking that they're going to be able to to solve that. That that that's their thinking, and I I would not take Will Levis in the first round whatsoever. Forget first round or first overall, second overall, uh, top five. I I wouldn't draft him in the first round whatsoever with, with any of those picks because I, I think it's a huge, huge, huge risk. But I do understand. Why NFL teams look at him and think that, oh, we get him in our building with our coaches and the ceiling is is through the roof because he does have a lot of potential just because you see the athleticism, sure. the arm strength, the the God given ability. And these coaches, these NFL teams, they think that they can coach up everything else that, that you just mentioned, West. So again, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole in the first round, but I also do see why NFL teams are intrigued by him and, and everybody has an ego to them in the NFL and think that they're the ones that can bring out the next Josh Allen. That That's what the, these guys are, are thinking. And I think that's a silly way to go about handling your business, but that's why you're seeing Will Levis in the same conversations with a Bryce Young with a C.J. Stroud, Hendon Hooker, Anthony Richardson, is because he does have, and even Anthony Richardson. I mean, what other than just being a freak athlete? What about being a quarterback? Did Anthony Richardson prove this season that he's just going to go tear it up in the NFL? Well, because he, he played it, pretty well against Tennessee, T- which th- is th- more the Will Levis. Can say yeah,
0: me. I mean, he, he. If you look at the tape against Tennessee <laughs> from each guy,
2: well, that was the game <laughs> of his life. Though I mean, they got they got his best. They got Florida's best punch that day, oh, yeah. including yes, that
1: but guy. NFL teams aren't deciding between the two based off of what they individually did against Tennessee. Agreed, uh, agreed. They should the, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know Tennessee fans think that for sure, but like Richardson's the same boat as Will Levis. I, I just kind of think Will Levis is there, there's so much dislike for Will Levis that it's overshadowing that Anthony Richardson is is literally the 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 same guy as Will Levis a, a guy with a freak athleticism that hasn't necessarily pieced it together as a quarterback that all these teams are enamored with because he is such a freak athlete and they feel like they can coach him up to be this organization changing quarterback yeah but that, my, that's why you're seeing Will Levis listed that high west
0: the the difference that i see though is like you know you see Levis consistently mentioned in the breath with Stroud and 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 Bryce and I mean, I was looking the other day, and I just looked up on my screen when I was sitting in this exact spot, and I looked over at the TV there in the office, and I saw, like, it was one of those Sports Center segments where, like, they're talking about the draft, and they got, like, this big cutout, and it's like, you know, here's Bryce, here's Stroud, here's Levis, and I'm like, if I'm those other two guys, and Levis is, like, in the picture with me, dude, I'm pissed off. I'm like, what? This is what you you think we're all the same here? Like, I don't know, man. That would, if I was the other two, man, that pissed me off.
2: I'd, I'd, I'd take Richardson over Levis, but I, I think, I think Levis will look good in navy and sky blue and red
0: and silver and in, whatever else and living off Broadway. Yeah. The, uh,
2: those to the honky tonk bars.
0: And then we can sit there and uh, i Brian's
2: th- not here, so he can't defend himself. So I'm just trying to speak it into existence. and Bo- so I can just give him crap for the, yeah, for the, uh, Foreseeable future.
0: Both Ryan Callahan and Ryan Shumpert, too, the both Ryans, who are the it, big Titans fans, and Shumpert did say the other situation. night, "Yeah, it is a sticky situation with Shumpert." Here, but here's, like,
2: here's here's my last hot take: is that. If the Titans did draft Will Levis, he'd be the best quarterback on their roster.
1: <laughs> only because they did not re-sign Josh Dobbs. That That, that is the only Correct, reason. Correct, Ben. <laughs> thank you. There you go. Why? But the, the last angle that we need to hit before we get out of here is how important of a draft this is for, for the Vols. This is very important for Tennessee. Uh, I, I think it's obvious that all of these guys are going to be drafted very highly, so they're going to be able to check that box off in terms of being able to to use this to their advantage on the recruiting trail, and they already have been able to use this to the advantage on the recruiting trail. Just look at the receivers that are committing. You get Jake Merklinger, a top 100 overall player in the country to commit as a as, as a four-star quarterback in Georgia's backyard, while you have Nico Iamaliava on the roster as a true freshman. That that speaks to the development of Hooker and Heupel being able to, to parlay that into landing a quarterback like that, but it's it's huge for Tennessee because th- this does wonders for recruiting, so it's going to help in the immediate, but I also think that it's very important that these guys go out and have successful NFL careers because it will sway the conversation that already exists. There, there's this theme. This conversation, we, we've seen Kirby Smart take shots at Tennessee. We've seen analysts call it a gimmick offense, and and it's just high tempo. They don't do anything else, which is – it couldn't be further from the truth. It, it's an air raid, this and that. There's all these misnomers and and just things out there and conversations out there about this Tennessee offense that simply are not true because people are not watching it on a day-to-day basis. They, they see the highlights. They see Jalen Hyatt running wide open and this and that that's not going to translate to the NFL the the style of play the receivers play and the and the splits Hendon Hooker isn't really making decisions and this and that he doesn't have a lot on his plate like they need Hendon Hooker to go be good in the NFL they they need Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman to be good in the NFL they need Darnell Wright that's another conversation the offensive linemen aren't asked to do a lot cuz they're not asked to block for so long they need Darnell Wright and Jerome Carvin to go be good In the NFL, because whether it's fair or unfair, it is a conversation. And if those offensive guys that I just mentioned, if they can go out and have successful NFL careers, that is going to put that conversation to 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 bed. It's going to kill that conversation. And again, whether it's unfair or fair, like that conversation will only get louder if those guys don't pan out in the NFL the way that we think that they will and and the way that we think that they can. That conversation then becomes that Tennessee's offense actually doesn't get guys ready for the NFL. I don't agree with that, but that's what the conversation will become if these guys don't pan out. So it's important in the meantime to use it as a recruiting tool, and you're, you're already seeing them do that, but long term, The next couple of years, those guys got to play well because it's a conversation that will sway one way or the other and become very loud.
2: I I don't, I don't, I think that conversation. I I think it might be. I'm not trying to disagree with you, Ben, but I I think that's a little bit overblown, at least from Tennessee's standpoint. Because if you're Tennessee, you can just say, "Well, we we knew how to use Jalen Hyatt right, and they didn't. They didn't use him right, or he was in the wrong system. He's in the wrong team." Um, If you're Tennessee, you're saying. You can come play in this offense, and we're going to get you drafted and get you a lot of money because uh, I know we're living in an NIL world, and you know players want to get money. But I think most high school players and most football players have, have grown up watching the NFL. They want to play in the NFL. That's the main goal. They're not going to college to make a couple, you know, hundred thousand dollars in NIL money. They're going to, to get drafted in the first round and make millions and get to their second contract in the NFL. Um, and, and this class and this group, you know, I think the staff has shown that they can do that within the system of this offense that they could get Hinton Hooker potentially drafted in the first round, that they can take Jalen Hyatt and get him drafted in the top 50. Tillman, who, you know, is going to you know, probably get drafted in the top, what, 75 coming off a year where he played six games. So, um, and and they've taken these guys and approved them from when they got here two years ago. So, um, you know, the, the Tennessee hasn't had an offensive lineman draft in the first round in nine years. So that that's a, another point to, uh, you know, to show that they can take guys and get you – you Which know, is insane take, to think that's, about. That's the recruiting pitch, though. I mean, the, the offensive line at Tennessee—that's a whole other like podcast the history of how it's been. Whew. Even with guys like Trey Smith, it's been underwhelming for the most part. But, anyways, um, the fact that you can—you know—Glenn Elby can go into five-star offensive tackle A's living room and say, "Hey, I got Darnell Wright drafted in the top fifteen when he, you know, two years with me." So, um, then you know, for for. For Byron Young, Ronnie Garner's got another, just another name to add to the list. He's got a long list. Everyone knows what he can do. But, check check it off. Um, I I don't, you know, from Tennessee's standpoint, you can say, I, you know, our system will get guys drafted, and then it's up to them and their NFL teams. And I've I made this point with Jalen Hyde a lot because there's a lot of, there's a lot of holes in his game that you can pick out, but he's got a couple of really really elite attributes that he has to get in the right team and get in the right system. And if you're an NFL team and you draft him and you say, "Hey, you got to go get off press every play," you're using him wrong. That's on you. That's not on Jalen. Um, and so that that's that's kind of where I maybe disagree with Ben's point a little bit. That these guys have to go play well. It's you know once once they're not at Tennessee, is Tennessee really responsible for him? That that's maybe the, the Tennessee, counterpoint.
0: Tennessee too. will say no. I mean, you know, that's yeah, that's what but, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, Wes.
2: But perception a lot of times, and I bet I know what you're getting at. you're getting at the perception that this offense was don't doesn't translate. It was a, it's been a talking point. All those guys had to answer questions about it from people that, that pronounced Josh Heupel's name, Josh Hoople at the NFL Combine. Hoople. Shout out NFL media. Um that, but old, like, that, old uh,
0: that old hoople.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you can't pronounce the head coach's name right, are you really watching their offense in depth to know that and and, mm-hmm. and frankly, I mean, we heard what well, was it Tony Romo that mentioned during the game that like NFL people were like watching Tennessee's offense and wondering how it was working? And uh, you know, we we I think Hooker said that a lot of his NFL meetings people would ask, like what are you guys doing that's so successful and what can translate? And, um, and there's definitely elements of it that can, you know, I think Jalen Hyde, the combine talked about a meeting he had with the chiefs where he's like, he's seeing elements of their offense that they're doing with Andy Reid and Eric B that, that sort of work similar to what they did at Tennessee. So, um, uh, you know, so I, that, that, that is a conversation, but I think from Tennessee's standpoint and just the recruiting and what the value of this draft would be, I, I don't, I think it'd be pretty easy to, uh, to say, well, you know, we got these guys to this point, and then what happened from there is not really on us. So, uh, but that's just a that that was just kind of my two cents. On,
1: you're you're on right. Said. You're right. But it the the perception and conversation of what media members are saying doesn't matter. What matters is when you're recruiting Daniel Calhoun, a four-star offensive lineman from the heart of Georgia, and you're battling Georgia and Alabama and Kirby Smart and Nick Saban walk walks into his living room and says okay, they got Darnell right to the NFL, but look at him now. He couldn't get to his second contract because their offensive system doesn't prepare him to play in the NFL. Look at all these guys that have had long, lengthy careers in the NFL, have gotten to their second, third, and fourth contracts. that That's what you want. Who cares about just making it to the NFL? You, you want to get to that second contract. And Tennessee hasn't been able to develop guys to the point and prepare them for the NFL. What they were able to do in college got them drafted, but that doesn't mean that they were ready to prepare for the NFL. The negative recruiting will start to set in, and those are recruiting against Georgia and Al- Alabama. That's exactly what they're going to point to. So that's more of the conversation that I'm talking about that it would be great for Tennessee if these guys could eliminate, they could dispel the, the conversations of the wide splits, don't prepare receivers. For the NFL, like if Jalen Hyatt and and Cedric Tillman go out and ball out, like that's not a conversation anymore. You can't use that to negative recruit against Tennessee. Same with offensive linemen, same with Hendon Hooker and (laughs) Kirby Smart's already trying to negative recruit Tennessee and and its quarterback and, and doing it publicly like you can eliminate those conversations, not not the media conversation. Who cares what media members a bunch of idiots have to say like like me? It's all about the negative recruiting when you're trying to get guys to come to your school over Ohio State and LSU and Al- Alabama and Georgia.
2: Well, the flip side of that, though, is that Tennessee's had so many guys that were undrafted that have gone on to play well in the NFL. And, you know, you could point to guys like Emmanuel Mosley and say, well, you know, how much was he developed at Tennessee? You can point to Justin Coleman and say, how much was he developed at Tennessee? And I know, I'm know i not bringing those guys up to say anything about Lee Martinez because he was a the coach there at the time, but... um, and he's not, you know, those aren't the only two guys that have that have been undrafted success stories. But I mean, the flip side of it would be, I mean, wouldn't you rather have guys drafted and then maybe not pan out as opposed to don't getting, you know, not getting guys drafted and then they play better in the NFL? I
0: I go back and forth on that because it to me. Because you're going to get two completely different arguments. Ben is
2: shaking his head. I think he's just hardwired to disagree with me at this point. No, I, I no, don't. I, that's I, not don't, true at all.
0: I, I don't think that. I, I think it, it, it would matter who was listening to each particular conversation because you're right. There, those are the two different sides of the argument. Is it that is it that Tennessee knew how to use them and that some NFL systems don't know how to use them, or is it that inherently the two? Levels of the sport are different and need different things. I mean, it, it's a. I honestly do not know the answer because I think it's probably depends on each situation which 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 one is right. But yeah, I mean, I think you're both actually right. I'm not trying to. God, I hate being Switzerland here, but I I, I kind of soft.
2: I, how, how no, Ryan no, Callahan of U.S. God, I know I was, knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Right that fence, baby.
0: But I, what I'm saying is, I I think there would be situations where it would depend on the player, which one it was. Cause I think in some cases that it could be like, Hey, Tennessee knew how to use Jalen Hyatt. Maybe whoever drafts him won't versus, you know, another situation where it might be like, Hey, you know, it was the other way around. So I, I don't know. I I think that what, what Tennessee can sell for now is look at where each one of these guys would have been drafted 365 days ago and look where they're drafted now And that's because they played another year at Tennessee. If you're Tennessee, that's the easiest way to sell it is, listen, guys, look where these guys were before we started coaching them. Look where they are now. And if that starts happening on more of a yearly basis, then the other conversations won't matter as much because you're consistently putting guys in the next level. And if you're putting guys in the next level – you're the burden is sort of off of you at that point. It's like on them now, or how are you going to develop more as a player? How are your coaches at the next level going to develop you as a player? Because like they can, they can lead you to water. They can't make you drink it. Like, you know, they, they can't take your next step in your development. That's, you know, that's up to you as a player and, and up to your coaches at the next level. So if you're consistently getting guys, drafted higher than they would have been drafted or getting them drafted when they wouldn't have been drafted before you got there then that to me if I'm a parent and they're recruiting like my kid that that uh, that would get my attention pretty quickly Uh,
2: if I was a I mean if, if Kirby Smart's having a negative recruit I mean what are we doing here just won two titles. Yeah,
0: that that is kind of we'll interesting. Recruiting for that us. is kind of interesting. It's like, dude, and if you are, wouldn't you be doing it like against Saban or Dabo? That would be a red flag. Right that would be a
2: red flag if I'm a recruit. I'm like, well, what? This guy's—he's got all he's got to do is flash these
1: two rings in my face, and I'm—I'm yeah. I'm, I'm signing me up.
0: Yeah, on a sunny yeah, day. But, on a sunny day, he blind me. Yeah.
1: The, these these kids—they they care about two things. They they care about nil money these and they care kids. about getting to the NFL. <laughs> like these, that. These damn kids and their, they, their that, Nintendos. That they care about. Get off my lawn," says they, ben. they. Don't they? Don't care about winning national championships like we think that they do, or like they did in the past. Like if they win one along the way, cool. But that's not why they're going to these schools. They're going to these schools to get to the NFL and have a successful career in the NFL. And they're trying to get NIL money along the way. And if they have team success during those three to four years, cool. then cool. But they they don't prioritize winning national championships.
2: Well, I mean, if for if for Kirby Smart is negative recruiting a quarterback, I mean, there's plenty of negative recruit quarterback at. His development, his quarterback
1: development at Georgia. I mean,
2: yeah, how they kept they kept. Justin Justin Fields had to go to Ohio State to get drafted. They
1: kept kept going back to you're 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 not wrong, but these are the type of conversations that will pop up. Like Tennessee already has a lot to sell. I'm not saying that they don't right now. I've already said like two three times. Like this is going to be a weekend that is full of recruiting goldmine for Tennessee, and and they've already benefited from it but all the graphics they're going to be able to put out this weekend and all the things they're going to be able to share on social media, clipping this analyst saying this, that analyst saying that, like it's it's a recruiting goldmine, a social media goldmine for, for Tennessee football this weekend and, and the next couple of weeks. But at some point, the conversation will shift as Josh Heupel is here longer and his, his guys – do get into the NFL and how they perform in the NFL. And look, Josh Heupel already has guys that he can point to, to to kind of quiet those conversations. He can point to Gabriel Davis of the Bills and what he was able to do this past season and, and say, well, hey, he's he's one of my guys. Look, look what he's doing. He's being successful with Josh Allen. So again, I, I'm not, and for anybody listening, I'm not telling you this, Patrick, but I, I'm not saying that, like it's fight, going to end up being fight, a negative fight, conversation, fight, fight, but it fight. absolutely helps Tennessee. If those guys go and play well, cause then you don't have absolutely. to worry about them. And, and then you can sell it in a positive. Then you're really going to have recruiting chips to, 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 to use against Kirby and, and Saban and Brian Kelly and Ryan day. Cause you're trying right. to get no these mean. guys that, that you can win national championships with. And, and that's how you do it is by selling them on the NFL. In, in all always possible. Right. And if get him getting him drafted high, then
2: watch them go be stars. And it's the same thing that Butch Jones used when he used to always bring up that he coached Antonio
1: Brown. Did
0: he coach Antonio yeah, Brown? I, I, is look, that is that I, who he coached? I forgot. Is that who there, there,
1: there's a reason that Tennessee tries to to sell the heck out of Alvin Kamara because he is one of the most popular players in the NFL. He he didn't just make it to the NFL. He he is a superstar in the league. He's been battling some injuries the last two years, but he's a bona fide superstar.
0: And one and one really dumb mistake, but you
1: know, God, yes. Alvin, yes. come on, man.
2: But yeah, but yeah,
0: no, those are those are all those are all very. No, you,
2: that's a good point. Yeah, those are all. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you saying that they need to. They need these guys. They need Darnell Wright to be a 10 year starter. They, that that's 100 percent true. Yeah, but I'm was. just saying, if you're Tennessee, you can be like, well, you know, his he he and his offensive line coach didn't gel. They didn't see right eye. He's
1: been hurt There's well, ways yeah. to get around the conversation for sure. Like to me, like you brought up Emmanuel Mosley and Justin Coleman earlier, which is funny because they had the same defensive backs coach. I think Emmanuel Mosley is a great story of development. Like I truly believe Emmanuel Mosley yeah, came in at 140 Cam Sutton,
0: came in at 140 pounds, man.
1: Yeah. E man and Cam Sutton. Those two guys developed over the over the course of their Tennessee career. Correct. Uh under Willie Martinez. Justin Coleman, I think that's a bad look. For, for those coaches, and I don't know. I don't think Willie had him all three, four, whatever years it was, maybe the tail end of, of his career. But like, I don't think Justin Coleman's a good look on Tennessee when he fans could not stand Justin Coleman. Justin Coleman was they they, what, hate,
0: they hated him so much that even his senior year when he was good. Like, they still didn't like him
1: very much. It was like, he's yeah, actually he, good then. He's what Warren Burrell is now. He, like, it'd be like Warren Burrell going and, and having... Poor, poor Warren uh, catching strays out here today. Yeah. I mean, it's the truth. I mean, <laughs> fans don't like Warren Burrell like they did not like Justin Coleman. So I, I think a case like Justin Coleman is a bad... Like, I think that speaks more to the university than it just than it does Justin Coleman. Uh, because he did not play good football really in college had a nice year like West pointed out but for the most part was a very frustrating player and now you look up and he's approaching a 10 year NFL career something doesn't add up there. You're
0: right. It doesn't, but this hopefully there will be more, uh, more consistently pleasant stories uh, for Tennessee going on in this draft. And you know what? That certainly is possible. We will have coverage of every bit of it, uh, and by we I mean mostly Pat, but uh, we will be helping him. We're not, not going to make him do the whole thing all by himself. That would be criminal. Yes, we are. Uh, okay, yeah. Never mind. We uh, just decided I, that we are. I don't are. need
2: y'all. I don't need y'all anyway. Fine. One man show over here.
0: Ben and I'll just be over there at uh, Lindsey Nelson Stadium uh, with Tennessee playing baseball against. Mississippi State on Thursday, yeah, Friday, Omaha and Saturday. Again, boys. Going uh looks like the Vols are are headed back in a proper direction. Of course, Mississippi State might have something to say about that, but they'd have to probably learn how to pitch to do that. So uh we will see. It's a are big... they
2: gonna beat them 27 to 2 again like they did last year?
0: <sighs> Man, if if, if, ben the, says yes. Yes. if the wind's blown out the way state's pitching the ball this year, something like that absolutely could happen. So
1: Patrick, you 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 have as just as good a chance of going up there and throwing the ball over the plate as as these Mississippi state pitchers they they are
0: can you throw with each can you throw with each
1: hand though that that is true they they do have a i'm not amphibious no
0: they 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 have one of them amphibious pitchers so uh yeah we'll we'll see how that goes we will have draft coverage we will have baseball coverage Uh, basketball news pops up we'll have that too lady vols uh lots of coverage there with uh with uh, maria and they've had a, a big big time recently with a contract extension and with some WNBA draft a, a first rounder and lady vol softball you know kiki malloy hitting a home run every time she swings the freaking bat these days lots and lots of coverage of all of it uh, and we will have all of it at go 247com as always fellas thanks for being with us this morning here on the podcast thanks wes bye wes there's that button and now i can say for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again less than one mediocre lunch per month you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS Paramount Viacom etc you get every show CBS has ever made commercial free you get new movies you get classic movies that rotate in every single month uh, you also get just tons of original content tons of great original Paramount Plus content And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central—something for the entire family. All of that, all of that, for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That—that is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to govaults247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again.